Do you miss the free and affordable ads and social networks without all of the anti-sex rhetoric? Assembly 4 is a team of sex workers and technologists from Melbourne, Australia, aiming to bring back free and fair advertising and social spaces to the sex working community. Stepping away from the clunky design of traditional platforms, their two products, Trist.link and Switter.at, are refreshing and well-needed changes in both presentation and mission. And both are free to join and open to all. You can find both of our profiles on Trist, and I love how it is so clearly designed by sex workers. Yep, and I love how straightforward and easy it is to use and how much they clearly support the sex working community. And also how responsive they are when it comes to feedback and customer service. Check out their website, assembly4.com, for the word, not the number, for more info. Welcome to Somebody You Love, or The Sale of Two Titties. I'm Jenna Love. And I'm Holly Hart. And we're experts in disappointing our parents, breaching community guidelines, and banging the people who vote against our rights. Hello, thank you for tuning in. Before we get stuck into today's episode, we just wanted to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land from which we are recording today. I'm on Darug and Gundungurra land. Holly is calling in from the land of the Ngunnawal people, and Ruby is calling in from Borloo. We'd like to acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Ruby Valentine is a Perth-based full-service sex worker and porn performer who got started in the industry at a young age and hasn't looked back. She's a Scorpio who identifies as a Virgo and she'd take a gangbang over a threesome any day. Ruby is passionate about breaking the stigma around STIs, and that's a topic we get asked about all the time, so we thought we'd pick her brain about it. Hey, Ruby, welcome. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thank you for that horny introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Our absolute pleasure. We just, uh, Holly and I both just told Ruby how attractive we find her, and uh, she got a bit shy, so sorry about launching that on you straight away. (laughs) Uh, so first of all, we would love you to tell us your story. How did you get into the sex industry? Um, so I actually started when I was 17, um, which is obviously illegal, probably not recommended, (laughs) but it was, (laughs) I started one out of curiosity and two, I suppose just a survival. Um, I needed money. I'd always been interested in sex work. Like from the moment I found out it was a job, I don't even think I'd kissed a boy. I just thought that it sounds incredible. Like what a hack. Of course, I'm going to try that when I can. Uh, Yes, we understand. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was like, what do you mean? You can get paid for being pretty? Oh my God, say no more. (laughs) And then, yeah, I started at a brothel, obviously a dodgy one because they did not ask for ID. And I did that for a couple of years and thought it was just so glamorous. It was not. The brothel I worked at was so shit. The receptionist was always missing. Like, but yeah, I mean, to be 17 and then 18 and just have, uh, I guess, all this expendable income. It was super fun. And then I took a bit of a break. Uh, I got a boyfriend and a real job. (laughs) A government job, actually. Yeah, terrible, terrible being there. (laughs) Yeah, at the tax office of all places. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, So I was there for a few years and on the side was still doing a little bit of sex work, I suppose. I was sugar babying, just probably for the thrill more than anything. Yeah, which I, I mean, I hated that, actually. Um, I, I much prefer, I guess, proper escorting or brothel work. But at the time, it just seemed like a like an easy little quick fix because I was missing sex work. Um, and then eventually quit that and went back to full-time hooking at a brothel and then eventually private and then starting porn uh, about three years ago. Around 75% of Australians have been infected with HSV-1 and around 12%, which is roughly one in eight, with HSV-2. Many people have it, often without knowing, but it's still treated as such a taboo. What motivated your public disclosure in this regard and how has that been received? I don't know. I don't know if I've had much feedback. I kind of just blurted it out on air, really. (laughs) I'm pretty open about most things and I think it was on 
Tess's podcast and um, I'd just gotten chlamydia in my throat, oh, which was kind of, I don't know if exciting is the right word, but like <laughs> considering all of the like natural blowjobs I've given in my lifetime to only have just gotten chlamydia in my throat. Yeah, I guess it was a little exciting. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, we, ha- we had a, re- uh, a podcast interview scheduled for that day. And I, yeah, I guess Tess was just sort of like, what have you been up to? And I was like, well, funny you ask, I have chlamydia in my throat. <laughs> Can I jump in and say, so that's the It's So Hard podcast, which you might've heard us uh, speak yes. about before. We'll have yes. it linked in our show notes. Great podcast. Um, great to have a yarn with Tess, uh, definitely. And then from that, we were just talking about STIs in general, I suppose. And I do remember thinking like, oh, am I going to am I gonna do this? Am I going to mention the herpes or <laughs> or not? And then, and then it just sort of came out like word vomit. And now the whole world knows that I have herpes. <laughs> but as I said, it's, it's so <laughs> common. Like this is just a mm. thing that just doesn't get spoken about. So... Yeah, it's so common. I think still people are so scared of it, which is yeah surprising considering how common it is. I feel like every time I hear a statistic on it, it's grown. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just tell people it's like two thirds, and now it's like what three quarters of the population? No, yeah. yeah. What did you say? Seventy five percent? Yeah, or something? three quarters. Yeah, these were Australian uh, recent Australian ones, but yeah, look, it's a lot. So Ruby, I had a similar experience. I got oral gonorrhea last year, oh. and this is actually the first time I've ever sort of talked about that publicly. And I felt the same way as you. I thought, Jesus Christ, out of all of the dick that I have sucked yeah. without condoms. Over years and years. Mm-hmm. And when I was diagnosed with it, it was actually in the middle of COVID lockdown. I had only been with three different people since my last test. So that, like three people in three months is a very low body count for me. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, of course, of all the times that I would actually uh, contract an STI, it would be during fucking lockdown when I've been with so few people. Those three people all tested negative. I have no idea where it came from, whatever. But, you know, I got a jab in my bum. Actually, my husband and I went and got treated on the same day, which was our anniversary. It was very romantic. (laughs) The doctors didn't really understand. It was so cute. We were like, (laughs) let's get a jab in the bum and then we'll go out for dinner. It was lovely. But um, And he had tested negative for it as well, but Mm. we just got treated because obviously we're intimate together. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and then a week later I got another test and it was was done. Mm. And I thought... I really want to be open about this and I want to speak more about it because it's a thing that happens. I have sex with people, so at some point I'm yeah. probably going to have an STI. Yeah. Um, but I still had this thing in my brain where I was like, oh, God, is it going to affect my business? Do I really want to put that out there? You know, there was still that shit. Um, and, it, yeah, it feels good to get it out there. But, yeah. yeah, I had a similar similar experience to you. Yeah, I just want to share how I, I can relate to that situation, Jenna, because <laughs> I – touch wood I very you know I have been in the sex industry on and off for many years now uh, and I have never had any STI diagnoses any incidents during Mm. while I've been a sex worker but I've had a lot of dick in my life and I've had a lot of raw (laughs) dick in my in my youth and the one time I got chlamydia was when I was in a committed relationship and he then the guy gaslit me. He was like, "Oh, you've oh, been a no. slut. You've given it to me." And I was like, no. "You've I I haven't been with anyone else for the past <laughs> twelve on. months, honey." And he was like, "Oh, it's you. It's all you." Anyway, obviously that's a very simple fix. That's the you know I think what is it the most common STI in Australia or I think worldwide. It's uh, got to be up one off. Yeah. It's up there. Um, and super super easily treatable. But I was mm. like, isn't it funny that the stigma around sex work and around STIs and you know you just don't know it it it's it can happen anytime, anywhere, and it's yeah. um, it's much more common than people realise. And it's also often not really a big deal. Like no, I mean when well when yeah. I when I got chlamydia in my throat, like kind of similar to you, Jenna, I had stopped giving natural blowjobs for quite a while. Just I mean I don't know. I just decided I didn't want to anymore, and so I only had a few clients that I had to reach out to, and they all got tested. Well, I mean, they say they did, and then they all came back negative. You know, I get tested pretty regularly, like especially as a porn performer as well. So I don't know where it came from. I mean, I do have a suspicion, but 
yeah, I guess I guess you don't really know. But yeah, it was it was very surprising that that is the first time that I've had something. Yeah, I mean, there's part of me that goes maybe it was a false positive because false positives do exist. Yeah, but I think statistically they're they're not uh, super likely. No. Um, and yeah, in my case, so it was my husband and two regular clients yeah. and both of those clients said they went and got tested again said they were negative maybe they weren't <laughs> yeah they weren't truthful but yeah. but I know both of these clients I've seen for years I feel like I know them yeah. I don't think they'd have any reason to yeah to lie but it, it doesn't really matter I mean I didn't need to know yeah where it came from no. the fact was if you're coming into contact with human beings we have there are viruses there's bacteria there's thi- like mm-hmm. things pass on and we you know we're in the middle of a bloody pandemic like we know that things get transmitted between people that's just the reality of it yeah i, I mean every every time you fuck there's a risk isn't it i mean you, obviously we can do things yeah. to minimize the risk but it's i mean yeah stis they exist yeah yeah um, so when you first presented with herpes symptoms, I mean, you were quite young. What was your kind of initial thought, your initial reaction and your thought process? Oh my God, my career's over. <laughs> mm. um, I had just started working. I was, I maybe been working for about six months or something for actually, uh, it took ages for it to be diagnosed because I didn't, I didn't have any visible symptoms so I just had like a lot of pain mm-hmm. and I was really run down. Like I had like the flu pretty much. Mm-hmm. And the my doctor just treated it as a UTI, but it just did not get better. Mm. And it wasn't until about two weeks later that I then had a lovely little blister, which I actually thought was an ingrown hair and picked at it. And the next day there was like that one blister turned into like 10 blisters and I went to the doctor again and he was like, oh, that sounds so painful. It was really painful. And yeah. And then that's when he was straight away like, oh, you have herpes. And yeah, I just, I felt so disgusting. I felt so bad because I thought I had probably passed it on to people um, I also had a boyfriend at the time who didn't know what I did. So that was oh. really scary as well. You know, I was sort of thinking, how am I going to tell this guy? Like, he's going to think that I cheated on him or like something. Yeah. So it was, it was stressful. And I, mm. yeah. And at that age, I can't imagine. Yeah. yeah, and fuck, yeah. I, at that age, like herpes seemed to be like the worst thing that could possibly happen to you as well. Yep. Like out of all the STIs, like herpes was the one that, I don't know, scared me the most for some reason. Um, It was kind of like used as... I I think the same, when I was in high school, that was the... That was the go-to, wasn't it? Yeah. It was like, oh, you don't want to get herpes. It was. Like it was you know, and I don't know why. ridiculous. How that happened. I, I guess, I don't know, herpes does seem to carry more stigma, maybe because it's something that I guess uh, you have forever, um, whereas, you know... But it's incredibly like, yeah. treatable. Well, oh, yeah, so it's so manageable. manageable. Like, it's, it yeah. did not ruin yeah. my life. It did not ruin my career. Like, I continue to work. It's fine. But at the time, it was like, oh, my God. No, I'm so unsexy. Mm. No one's going to fuck me ever again. Yeah. <laughs> haven't, you, haven't you proven that wrong? <laughs> yeah. Take yeah. herpes. <laughs> my body count is high. <laughs> what effect has working in the adult industry had on your personal sex life, if any? I don't don't have a lot of sex in my personal life. I think it's probably made me more boring in that regard. Like, and I'm probably more inclined towards like long-term monogamous partners as opposed to, Do you, you think know, that may be because of sex work that you've, yeah, you're just definitely. sort of spoiled with so much fun sex that you, exactly. you look for something different in your personal life? Yeah. Yeah. No, I fully fantasize about making love with my long-term husband, you know, in our suburban yeah. house. <laughs> That's like my go-to wank fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Are you me? <laughs> Yeah, don't being be f- a wife is my dream. Like I just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've talked about this before on the show, where people have this idea that as sex workers we have this like crazy wild sex, and I'm l- oh lucky enough God. to have that fantasy where I do live with my long term husband. <laughs> and I, like clients all the time are like, "Oh my God, how does your husband keep up with like your insatiable sex drive?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm like, I what mean, sex drive? <laughs> when was the last time we had sex? Like, yeah, because yeah. we just have." We have a normal life like yeah, any yeah. other people. No. You know? Yeah. My personal sex life is just I like to hold hands with somebody that I love. <laughs> That's it. 
Um, Love that. Yeah. Love that. But yeah, it's probably just, I don't know. I mean, sex work is just like having a lot of casual sex, isn't it? So it's, yeah, I think. With remuneration. Yeah. 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 So I'm not really, I don't really want to do that for free. Yeah. So basically if we kiss in my personal life, then we're husband and wife. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That is a proposal and I accept. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. I find like because I took a couple of years off sex work, and in that time, I was like, "Oh, I want to have like casual sex," and I and I was like, because I do quite like meeting strangers and mm. having sex with them. That's something I enjoy. But then, as soon as I went back to sex work, I was like, "Well, I don't want to do that anymore because yeah. I'm already doing it." So yeah. it kind of gets any need for doing kinky, wild, crazy shit. Yeah, I feel like it gets sorted by our job, oh, and we get paid for it, mm-hmm. and then we can just relax and have our nice little boring lives yeah pretty much so (laughs) so ruby you and i were just chatting before we started recording actually because Mm -hmm. you have worked for you know different kind of porn studios whereas i've only ever created my own porn Mm -hmm. so the porn industry has changed a lot in Mm -hmm. in recent years and now there's sort of the more boutique independent studios particularly in australia we don't sort of have the same massive porn setup like they do in the US for instance mm-hmm. now there's direct to customer options like OnlyFans there's co-op style setups so do you have a preferred way of making porn do you have thoughts on the different ways of doing it um yeah i absolutely hate OnlyFans and creating my own content Same. and i love <laughs> being a studio performer <laughs> it's just so much easier I'm always really impressed by, uh, you know, uh, OnlyFans creators um, and people who really exceed mm. in self-producing their own content, but it's uh, it's not for me. I, I like to just rock up on set and only have to worry about performing um, and then getting paid straight away and then leaving and then forgetting about it until I see a little gif on Twitter three months later. But yeah. it's, I mean, like you said, in Australia, there's it's a pretty small scene, so there's only a few companies that you can really work for. Which is a shame. I would love to do more porn if if I could, but I just, yeah, m- m- making myself is not for me. It's it's a lot of work. And I also am just not very uh, yeah. creative and good at technology. And I also hated having to edit everything myself. Yeah, I don't know, spending so many hours just like looking at zoomed in clips of my pussy is a lot. I don't need to see my pussy like that. But I also, I, I don't watch any of my videos back like uh, I'll maybe like skip through and look at some of the stills but I find I'm too critical I I think I mean I guess most people are I don't know but yeah having to edit and sort of choose like the best angles and all this sort of stuff it just it wasn't good for my mental health you know I and my my, my self-esteem yeah. is is like pretty dangerously high but I don't, <laughs> <laughs> like I yeah my little foray into OnlyFans was like oh my god that was it was too much <laughs> Maybe, maybe it wasn't as high as I thought. Yeah, it's a lot. And I also mm. found um, mm. people were just so demanding as well. And it's like, what, yeah. you're paying me $12 a month for what? No. Well, they, they're paying $12 mm. and you're getting a percentage yeah, of that. Yeah, I'm getting $9, yeah. yeah. I, do, I mean, like, I do think I like this movement of people being in charge of their content and and owning all the rights and, you know, not having to give a cut to anyone. Well, I mean, except for, like, OnlyFans and platforms. But I'm just lazy. So, (laughs) yeah. I've always said I think one of the best things about the sex industry is the flexibility and the diversity within it. Mm. And so, yeah, I agree. It's great that that is – there's a push for that and that 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 is an option for a lot of – porn performers and people that are that are working their way into the sex industry Mm -hmm. but if it's not the right one for you then how great is it that there are other options yeah oh I think I also found it hard to sort of switch off when I was trying to run an OnlyFans Mm -hmm. account whereas yeah when I'm shooting with a company you know I just I just rock up I'm there for a couple of hours I'm reimbursed for my time on set and then I leave and that's it um, whereas with OnlyFans I'm having to sort of message client uh, well fans or whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call them also, the website is just shit and takes hours to upload anything and it's, it was, yeah. yeah. It's an awful website, yeah. I agree. Yeah, you've made me really excited about – actually, our listeners might not know that Ruby and I were scheduled to – 
to film a porno together Yay. months ago. Mm. Um, yeah, and that was going to be my first ever time recording with a with a studio with you know doing like proper porn the way I see it in my mind. <laughs> The Delta variant came along and all those plans went to shit, sadly. But you've made me very excited for when I hopefully can properly do that. It's fun. So um, that would be cool. I also, like yeah. the social aspect is what I enjoy the most. You know, obviously when you're working privately, like full service sex work, you, it's a lot of sort of waiting around by yourself. And same with when you're producing your own content, if you're doing mainly solo scenes, which is what I was doing because yeah. it was during lockdown. But yeah, it's it's just mm. fun being on set with like a bunch of sexy people. Whenever we have a guest on the show, we give our patrons an opportunity to ask them questions. So as usual, we did that this week. Um, and I think almost all, if not all of the questions are about uh, safer sex and STIs and stuff. So let us just dive into them. How do you screen a client for any potential sexual health issues? And how do you deal with a client with a cold sore, for example? I've never had a client come in with a cold sore actually if that were to happen I think I I would probably still do the booking but I would just do no kissing and no oral on me yeah have you had that have you guys had a someone rock up with a cold sore no I don't think I've ever seen a client with a cold sore I would my approach would be the same yeah just Mm. be that we yeah can't do kissing or oral on me and I have had a a partner in my personal life have a cold sore and that's just what we did so yeah Mm. I feel like people when they get cold sores they're usually very like cautious with them you know and self-conscious as well yeah yeah because you know they're like right there um so no I haven't Mm. had that um screening for other stuff though I mean yeah I guess just you do a health check um at the beginning of the booking so for our listeners, do you want to explain um, like what you might do in a, like a brothel health check? A brothel health check? Okay, so a brothel health check, um, I feel it's it's a bit more formal. It's, yeah, it's kind of like the first thing you do. So, you know, you take the money, then you do a health check. So you kind of get them into the corner where the little dodgy lamp is and get them to whip their dick out, get them to pull the foreskin back, lift up their balls and stuff. And, yeah, you're just kind of looking for... Anything a little abnormal, I suppose, like, uh, you know, little bumps or, um, I don't know, maybe like funny smells or discharge. Even cuts. I'm always conscious of if there's any kind of broken skin. Yeah, yeah like open kind of wounds. And st- I haven't um, actually failed anybody on a health check. I've been pretty lucky. I have been called into uh, the room for a second opinion. And even then, most of the time... To me, you know, obviously I'm not actually a doctor, but it sort of looked like, you know, like say like thrush or maybe like a, a different sort of rash, like eczema or something around, you know. But yeah, it's, you know, kind of learning to tell the difference between like herpes and ingrown hair, a wart, a mole, like it's, it's hard. Yeah. Mm. And and of course, we all know that uh, doing a physical, a visual health check does not determine whether somebody has an STI or no, not. No, absolutely But it can not. alert you to the fact that if, you know, if they do have any visible symptoms, then, it, then obviously yeah. you will be able to see them. But mm. so many don't. I've never failed someone for a health check either, mm. but I'm pretty sure Holly has. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, as a yeah, as a private worker, uh, I think I've only had one or two. I do recall one definitely where that was quite concerning. But in a brothel, oh my gosh, all the time, the amount of individuals that we used to have come in who would have very serious, obvious warts, like, and I don't mean like really? a, a, a little one here or there. I mean it looked like cauliflower. I mean they, they. I was like, how do you find your penis in amongst? Like this should be on Ripley's Believe It or Not. <laughs> this should be in the Guinness World. Like this is like wow. On Honestly, hectic style stuff. And often, because at the time, uh, a lot of the time I was seeing this sort of stuff, I was the receptionist and they'd get me in for the second opinion. And I'd sort of say to the client, like, I didn't want to shame them, but I'd say, you know, isn't this uncomfortable or isn't this itchy? Like, should you not maybe see, have you seen a doctor about this? And they'd always say, oh, no, no, no. And they'd be, you know, all embarrassed. And I'm like, well, obviously our, our staff can't see you with this, but I'm thinking for your own health, why would you not have gone to the doctor like well before this point? Well yeah. before it was 
so hectic. Okay, massive generalization, but I feel like almost every woman has been to the doctor when they've had an ingrown on their downstairs bits, <laughs> mm-hmm. freaking out, and the doctor's mm-hmm. been like, it's an ingrown. Mm-hmm. And then the reverse is all these men that have full-blown warts who won't even go to the doctor. <laughs> like, it's such a I know. extreme What difference. is that about? I think men do tend to be quite reluctant uh, when it comes to going to the doctor, particularly mm. when it comes to sexual health issues or, you, you know, they hope it'll just go away or if they don't look at it, it doesn't exist. And that's uh, not really ideal when then you go into a brothel where a girl is going to have a really good look at your penis and find quite confronting things. And the sad thing was that often mm. we know that they would just drive down the road and go to another brothel and just hope they'd get service there when we turn them away. And like, Doesn't it hurt? Like... Oh, it must be unco- like some of the things that I saw were oof, like, like when, you know, when I've had for- a herpes outbreak, like it's fucking painful. Mm. Like I can, mm. you know, I remember my first one, I could barely sit down. Like yeah. the last oh. thing I'm thinking about is fucking. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> yeah. And surely the fucking would be really unpleasant. Like that would yeah. only make it more painful, mm. you would think. Mm. I mean, just Very imagine, strange. even, you know, when you have thrush and you you sort of have to push through oh, and God, accept yeah. a booking, it's like, that is, it's sore. I don't know. Oh, yeah. When I... <laughs> When I was looking after the brothel, we had these little business cards for the sexual health clinic. And so when we'd have to turn a client away for those sorts of reasons, I'd give them that. I'd say, just give this number a call. It's totally private. Mm. It's really discreet and professional. And the next morning you'd find the business cards they chucked on the ground as they left the place because they obviously no. just were not going to go. Uh, super disappointing. Oh. But anyway, that's that's yeah. my own tangent. But uh, as a private worker, I just don't see it. I don't know whether it is mm. that the lower cost of brothels maybe attracts people with a lower sexual health education understand you know or, or or that sort of thing i don't know whether there's any overlap with that whereas private workers maybe because it's so expensive i don't know there's some correlation maybe not my thinking is perhaps there's an assumption that the people working at a brothel are going to be less discerning yeah. with who they choose to take money from which is yeah. absolutely not correct mm. which is rude but <laughs> It is. So rude and incorrect mm. and, and, and really kind of predatory, if anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I hope gradually society allows men to realise that it's okay to get sexual health checks and it's okay to go to mm. the doctor if your penis feels weird. Like, that's fine. Yeah. It's totally normal. Yeah, I was seeing this guy recently and we actually went and got sexual health checks together and it was so hot. <laughs> Yes. Like, yeah. I uh, I had a hookup ages ago. It was just before COVID, so forever ago. And the person I was hooking up with, they were poly and, and, and pansexual. And we sat down on the bed and he opened up his little baggie of prophylactics and it was almost as extensive as mine. And I was so aroused. Wow. Like, I was like, holy shit, you carry – I mean, he was on tour, like he was travelling around, so um, – yeah. You know, he carried it around with him. Yeah. And it was just the sexiest. He even had internal condoms. Yeah, and I was wow. like, oh, my God, I can't. I'm just dripping. Hold on. Like, it was, <laughs> it was so wonderful. I'll never yeah. forget how great that was. <laughs> yeah, it's horny. I, I think it's interesting how much stigma there is even around something like cold sores. A few months ago, I was in a booking and – Over the course of the booking, something had like developed on my mouth. And when I went to the bathroom, just at the end, I went to go to the loo. I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh, shit, what is that on my mouth? And when I came back in, I saw the client and I was like, oh, there's something like and it it looked like it could potentially be the start of a cold sore. I've had two cold sores in my life, so I know that I have the herpes virus um, Mm. and that it is something that I can potentially get. Both of those times were during exam periods at uni, (laughs) and thankfully I don't have that kind of stress again in my life. But anyway, I thought, you know, I obviously carry the virus, so it could be that. Um, And I walked into the room and the client straight away said, is it, do you mind if I ask if that's a cold sore? And I said, honestly, I don't know. I I mean, it could be, it seems like it could be the beginning Mm. of it. He actually was a nurse, so was really cool about it. Um, I said, look, I'm going to go get, you know, Zavirax or whatever but you, you might want to get tested. I had sucked his cock without a, without a condom. He was really cool about it. And I was like, just get in touch. If there's any issues, whatever, you know, we'll mm. work it out. That was my last day of working for the end of the year. And I was then going to be taking a break. And I had two bookings after it, which I had to cancel because I had this potential cold sore. And yes, I probably could have gone ahead with the bookings, but, you know, kissing is a really big part of my bookings as is oral. Yeah. So 
I wasn't into it. And I felt really unsexy with this thing on my mouth. So I cancelled them and I posted on Twitter about it because I thought this is, you know, this is the life of a sex worker. Mm -hmm. These are realities that we have to deal with. And I posted saying, you know, I've got this thing and I showed it in the video. I said, I don't know what it is, but I've now had to cancel those bookings. And, you know, the client I just saw had a little bit of a scare. And that might be of interest to people because these are the things that we deal with. Mm -hmm. One person in particular really lost it at that and was talking about how I was admitting to having herpes and I was, um, you know, a really irresponsible sex worker for, you know, and I was like, wow, 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 wow. You have got this Mm, so wrong. For starters, it turned out it it was not a cold sore. It was a (laughs) a cut in my lip anyway. So it doesn't, but that's not the point, whether it was a cold sore or not Mm. is not the point. But the way it was framed as though I was a bad sex worker for being open about potentially having some something that could be transmitted, something with which half the children I, I know have had. Yes, like it's, you yeah. know, cold sores are not, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. <laughs> and I just thought, well, this is the exact reason why we have to talk about this stuff. Mm. This is why, you know, and then I had a whole bunch of people, so many sex workers contact me and say, oh, you're so brave. Thank you. Mm. I had a cold sore scare. I had this, blah, blah, blah. I'm waiting on tests and I'm terrified. Yeah, it's that fine line between... We should speak out and normalise it, but it also mm. doesn't need to be a huge announcement because it's it doesn't. just a normal thing. Well, I also, I mean, there was a phase where I used to get really paranoid that, like, you know, I would feel so guilty that I'd maybe passed it on to clients or something, or, like, you know, people in my private life because I, you know, would have been mm. sick and then, like, would notice a few days later, I'm like, oh, actually, I think I'm about mm. to have a herpes outbreak and I feel so awful, but, like... I remember talking to a doctor about it once and she was kind of like, look, I can't remember what the age was. I think she said something like if most people have been exposed to the virus by like their mid-20s. So if they haven't sort of shown visible symptoms by then, then they're probably like immune to it or they're one of the carriers that just don't have visible outbreaks. So... Yeah, I mean, I haven't bothered to fact check that. I was like, oh, okay, phew, I'll keep hooking then. Um, yeah. It's fine. Leave but it. Don't fact check it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know, it just, it exists. Like, yeah. Alrighty, so finally moving on to the next question. I was contacted a while back by a lady I saw regularly that she had had a test come back positive, and we then had to contact another lady who had joined us. Have any of you ever been contacted by a client informing you that there may have been exposure? No, I haven't. Have you, Holly? Yeah. You have? Yeah. That's good that they contacted Holly's you. Holly's had it all. Wow. Mm, yeah. I'm impressed. <laughs> it was when I was It was when I was when a baby private hooker. So I was, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was about five-ish years ago. I had a client who at the time had done the sort of pussy slide thing and sort of rubbed it. And I sort of went, oh, mm-hmm. you know. Look, yeah. these days I'm a lot tougher. I, I don't sort of let them get away mm-hmm. with that shit. But at the time I sort of, oh, whatever. So he, he, he pressured me into it and I didn't assert myself, but, you know, I think I'm going to put a little bit of blame on him. And he, uh, he contacted me one day and he said, oh, I just have to let oh, – I can't remember the, the exact conversation, but, you know, it was like mm-hmm. I just have to let you know that I've had uh, some pain while peeing and there's been some issues and the doctor suspects a, uh, an STI, so I'm getting tested. I thought I'd better let you know. And I was like, oh, okay. So I went and had all my tests done like the next day. I cancelled all my bookings for the next two weeks and I, you know, started to go through the process. And he got back to me a few days later and he said, oh, it's okay. It was just a urinary tract infection. And I was like, okay. I said, so did you tell the doctor that you was that you'd slept with a sex worker? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, mm, I don't mm-hmm. know. Look, I'm not going to make any massive assumptions, but I do get this inkling that it's a, a totally whorephobic reaction from the doctor. <gasps> a hooker. Mm, oh my God, it's yeah. probably an STI. You better get tested. And yeah. I lashed out at him, whether fairly or not, but I was like, <laughs> this is something you really need to clarify, I think, before you raise the alarm. Um, maybe other mm. people will disagree. Maybe yeah. maybe other people will say, yeah, you should let them know as soon as you suspect. But I felt like I had cancelled all my bookings. I'd freaked out and run yeah. up and taken the time to go and get the test and everything. And it turned out that he just, you know, had a UTI, which is like everyone gets that just a normal yeah. thing that, you know, that happens. It's not a, an STI. So I said to him, I think that he's, his fear was from a latent whorephobia and that, you know, he pressured me into rubbing his penis on me and then 
and acted like mm-hmm. he's disgu- like I was diseased yeah, or yeah. like I was somehow a, a, a disgusting. Yeah. yeah. And I, I felt, uh, yeah, it made me feel really shit. And so I told him <laughs> bye. And uh, and since then, uh, yeah, there's I, I don't let anyone do that sort of stuff anymore. Mm. <laughs> I've been contacted once and it, I, it was kind of a similar story. Mm. So it was a client in a brothel who spent half the duration of the booking trying to put his dick bare inside of me and it was constantly trying, you know, the, you know that game where you're just constantly like thrusting your pelvis away? <laughs> yeah, I was just like doing the, um, again, I, I'm always doing movements on the podcast and no one can see them. But, yeah, where you're, you're constantly, yeah, just trying to twitch your pelvis mm-hmm. out of the way. And it was just, it was a really exhausting booking because of that. It was just that the whole bloody time. And then I think it was two days later, I got a text from him. We must have exchanged details. And I got a text saying, I've got chlamydia or something about chlamydia. And I and I was instantly sus because I, ju- I don't know, it was just all a bit odd. It was only two days later. So I was like, well, you've not got it from me. And it, it just, I think it was a Sunday that he texted, which I was like, well, have you just got your results from the doctor? That do- Nothing about it sounded right. But I did the right thing. I booked an appointment for the next day, went and got tested. I said, I think I've come into contact with somebody who is positive for chlamydia. I don't think there was much genital to genital contact, but there certainly may have been a a little bit, you know. And the doctor said, look, let's just give you the tablets for chlamydia and we'll test you. And then, you know, if then you get the results back and they are positive, then you've already begun treatment. Mm -hmm. So I did that. Um, The results came back negative. And so I don't know whether he had it and was trying to pass it on to people or if he was just trying to, like he obviously could tell that I wasn't comfortable because I was—I made it very clear that I wasn't comfortable with him coming into contact with my genitals. So maybe then he knew, oh, that this is a sore point for her, so I'm going to try and freak her out. I don't wow. know. It was fucking weird. But that's the only time I've Fuck. been contacted by a client. Mm, not nice. Mm. So anyway, right? Yeah. No, I've had none of that. I've just—I mean, yeah, I've had to—I've had to message clients, mm-hmm. but that was it. Yeah, and I only had to message three, yeah, and same. most of them, yeah, they were all pretty fine about it and appreciated me reaching out. Mm. Mm. I think we can all yeah. act like adults, you know, if, if if a circumstance came up where a client contacted me and said, hey, Holly, really awkward, got to let you know, I've been tested positive for this, that's fine. I, I pre- I'd rather you let me know, absolutely. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, there are instances where people, I think, are letting people know things that they're not sure about and that's when we start to get a little bit, mm. um, mm. I don't know, things get a bit cloudy. Mm. We have received a bunch of questions about oral sex. So the first one is, is the same protection used by sex workers when doing oral with a pussy versus a penis? Do we use dams? That, well, yeah, the question is, they probably don't know about dams. Yeah, um, so a dam is, is, it's just like a, I guess, a rectangular piece of latex pretty much that you just sort of spread over your pussy or your asshole even. And that kind of acts as the barrier. I don't use them. <laughs> no. no. I have a couple of times, but I just I just don't. I mean, I guess, uh, you know, I always sort of thought that maybe the risk of transmission that way is a lot lower than, I guess, yeah. other ways. So maybe that's why I'm a bit slack or lenient. But, I mean, if I was with a client and they wanted to use one, like, of course that would be fine. I just, it's just not really in my, my toolkit, but I should probably change that and have them available in case. Yeah, actually I, um, I've always had them in my toolkit. Mm. Anyone who, uh, tours to Queensland will, because by law you you kind of have to have them with you. Yeah. So, um, so I've always had them, but I've, I have used them on butts. I've used them for rimming, mm. but I've never used them for going down on someone with a pussy. Yeah. On me, pers- again, it's always an option for clients, but I think because I squirt in such high volumes, I'm not sure how it would work. Like I think it would just blow it off. <laughs> it would be like a, a slip and slide, slip and slide, all that w- liquid yeah, and the latex. <laughs> and then I've had a couple of female clients who have asked if we can do scissoring and I've always said, oh, like it's actually something I've never done. Mm. And I've sort of gone, oh, look, I'm not opposed to the act, but I don't know about actually rubbing our genitals together. That's a bit far mm. for me. And I guess we could potentially both put dams on, but I don't I don't know if that, that works. works. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Because two, it's like putting two condoms on, like yeah. the latex would rub against, I don't know. Or maybe just one. In between. I don't really know. 
But the answer to the question is no, not the same protection is used. There are dams which are designed for that. They are used far less often, yeah. I would say, than condom for a for a blowjob on a penis. Yeah, I think I I think so. I just want to mention there is a. Uh, a little fact sheet somewhere. I uh, can't remember what health organisation it's from. I wish I did. But it actually discusses the, the rates of risk associated with various sex acts. Oh, and um, and uh, got, yeah, I'll I think it comes it from respect. And mm. uh, uh, cunnilingus is, uh, is it's very low risk of transmission yeah. for, for, for most STIs. So it's, it's extremely. Yeah. And I think receiving cunnilingus is the lowest. Yeah. Um, and giving cunnilingus is like the second yeah. lowest. Yeah. And kissing is around there somewhere. Pretty yeah. safe as far as those sorts of activities go. It is still a possibility. It so mm-hmm. that's it's a great question oh, yeah. to be asking and a great thing to be to be thinking about. So in this world of oral, the next question is, I think and hope that everyone appreciates the need to wear a condom for penetrative sex. Let me tell you right now, they do not. Uh, <laughs> that is a lie, anyway. yes. <laughs> Lies. But uh, can I, everyone in the room here does, but can mm-hmm. I ask about the risks with uncovered oral sex and do the majority of sex workers insist on a condom for oral as well now obviously we can't all speak for the majority of sex workers but we can talk about ourselves yeah i i use condoms when i'm giving blowjobs i didn't used to nothing like bad happened for me to sort of switch i just i think i wanted a bit more separation from the blowjobs i was giving in my personal life actually more than anything but it's you know it's it's sometimes it's just part of people's kind of like standard service sometimes it's an extra to uh, give a blowjob without what do you what do you guys do so i prefer without mm-hmm. i hate i don't hate i really don't enjoy giving a blowjob with i hate the little dangly at the back of my throat <laughs> yeah yeah i'm really not into that yeah yeah so i'm not really into it i have done it because if if that's a client's preference then 100 percent, i'm happy to do that it's fine mm-hmm. but the main reason why i don't do it is because i'm just not that in i just don't like it personally mm. so no and holly I prefer to give blowjobs with a condom where I can. So I actually quite like the feeling of latex in my mouth. I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I also like the lower risk. Yeah, for me, I, I feel like it's a risk that I I just don't really want to go through the whole nuisance of the antibiotics and then maybe the needle in my butt if mm. I end up with anything. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't foresee those sort of issues being life-altering, but I just prefer not it's to be inconvenient. anything if I can. Yeah. It would be yeah, terribly definitely. it would be terribly inconvenient. It wouldn't be a fun yeah. time. And affects your income. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I do offer BBBJs but at a substantial extra cost. So it's not exorbitant, but definitely the going rate for BBBJs as an extra is X and mine is a little bit more than that because uh mm. you know that sort of serves XXX. Well, yeah, it sort of serves a purpose in that uh, one, it, it means that fewer people are doing it. So it means that when I like between testing, I have fewer, I have fewer instances where I am sucking cock raw, and, uh, <laughs> and it also means that when I am, I'm well compensated for it. So if I did need to take the time off, if anything happened, um, yeah, yeah, that that wouldn't be as affecting me mm. as, as much financially. So yeah, I yeah. remember actually when I kind of stopped giving um, BB. B, 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 J, triple B, bareback blowjobs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it was, do you guys, do you remember when there was like that like super gonorrhea going around? Mm, yes. Yeah. yeah. And it just, I was so scared of getting that, that I, I just. a lot of people were. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, so I, yeah, I, I think, I think that's probably when I, um, when I stopped. And also mm. probably I was, I was making a bit more money than I used to. I don't really know what sort of change, but I, I guess I would, yeah, was a bit more privileged and in this position where, like, I didn't need to say yes to every extra. Yeah. So that's also what changed, that's- yeah. So uh, to answer the question, do the majority of sex workers <laughs> insist on a condom, can't answer that. Maybe it's 50-50, maybe not. I don't know. It depends on the circumstance. I think anyone that's like me who does primarily bareback blowjobs, it is always dependent on a health check, mm. um, even though privately the health check is not as extensive as the the brothel style that Ruby outlined for us. If I see anything that 
that looks a bit sus, uh, even if there's, yeah, just open wounds in the skin, which that's not indicative of an STI, but it, it obviously just means there's more risk of any kind of infection. And phimosis is a big one. I won't do bareback blowjobs mm. to men who have, or people with penises who have phimosis, which is when the foreskin won't retract fully. And I am... One of the things I've learned from working in this industry is just how many men have phimosis. Oh, it's mm. incredible. I was only Blows talking my about mind. it with my client today about yeah. how many individuals can't get their foreskin back and they won't yeah. really either common. do the, the work to stretch it because apparently it's a thing where you can stretch it back yeah, or yeah, yeah, go you and can. get surgery. Yeah. This Mm. wild to me yeah and in that case i can't see the head and i can't so uh, i can't really do a health check properly so that's why i would i insist on condoms in that situation our final patron question is i am a married lesbian vagina owner in the u.s who has recently begun seeing independent companions When I've broached safe sex and using barriers like dams for oral ahead of our dates, both times the worker's response has been to say that other than having oral sex during an active herpes outbreak, which they say is easy enough to detect and avoid, there's not much that women can pass back and forth, so barriers are not really used, other than putting or changing condoms on toys that will be shared. Granted, I've been married to my wife and out of the dating scene for eons, but this surprised me so much so that I opted to forego oral on my first date. The second one has not occurred yet. What are your thoughts and feedback, team? I mean, I guess, yeah, like I said, you know, if somebody asked and wanted to use protection, yeah, I mean, that's hot to me that somebody is... uh, yeah. responsible for the sexual health so yeah but yeah I mean like what we were saying I suppose the the risk is lower but it, there is still risk there and if I had that request I'd probably just go and buy a whole bunch of dams <laughs> yeah it, it definitely surprised me I feel the same way the risk is on the lower side that doesn't mm. mean it's non-existent mm-hmm. but if I had a client who said what do we do in terms of barriers with oral sex mm-hmm. I would say well these are our options yeah let me know if you you know I think I think that's if somebody's bringing that up I think that's really important uh, yeah. I am surprised that the the yeah. workers have just gone on oh, no, it's not an issue that, yeah. I think that's a bit eh yeah, I agree. I think, you know, Ruby summed it up perfectly. If, if a client expresses any interest in protection that they're comfortable with, then 100%. Mm. I'm happy to offer it. And I think most sex workers that I have interacted with would be on the same page. I don't know if it's just the individual maybe that this person has been dealing with or if it's a, a geographical thing that maybe it's different in the mm-hmm. US. You know, as you said, it is exactly as Ruby said. It is lower risk, but there is always a risk inherent in sexual activity. So if that's what is part of your comfort zone, then hmm, either, Mm. yeah, maybe best to look for another provider. It could be that they don't have dams on them, like you were Mm. saying, Ruby, because they're not that Mm. common because we don't get as many clients Mm. who have vaginas um, because they, you know, you can't buy them from Coles or from the grocery store, um, I should say. You can cut a condom, yes. You can cut a condom, yeah. So, you you know, there's... I just don't think that's a good enough excuse, Jenna. I'm not impressed. Yeah. My point was that if it's brought up in the moment, it's possible they'll kind of go, oh, I'm not prepared for that. Yeah. But from the way that this the question asker has posed the question, I think that they have asked about it beforehand, although yeah. maybe not because in the US you can't really talk about stuff beforehand, mm. which is another reason why we need decrim. I think it's great that they've brought up um, putting and changing condoms on toys that mm-hmm. will be shared. That's one that I think a lot of people miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're taking a toy out of one orifice and putting it into another one, whether that different orifice is on the same person or a different person, you really want to be cleaning it in between and or putting condoms on it, changing yeah, the condom on it. definitely. COVID-19 has had a significant impact on the sex industry and snap lockdowns and travel restrictions mean that there are times when sex workers require emergency financial relief in order for them and their dependents to stay safe, housed and fed. Sex workers don't get sick or holiday pay and many have no savings to fall back on. The stigma and discrimination that we face means that some have no proof of earnings to access government support and of course migrant workers are often forgotten. Scarlet Alliance and their state and territory member organisations joined together to create an ongoing fund that is hosted on the website Chuffed, that's C-H-U-F-F-E-D. 
Donations are tax deductible. 100% of funds raised go directly to sex workers in need. And most weeks, the amount of people applying outweigh the amount of funds raised. And sadly, people have to be turned away. The link to this fund is in our show notes. Ruby has generously brought along her own shit people say this week. We're very much looking forward to hearing uh, somebody else's shit experiences. Uh, Yeah, go ahead. Okay, this is an old client of mine who I have now finally blocked for good. In person, he was fine. Uh, The booking was easy. It was just an hour I don't know, there was like good banter or whatever you want to call it. It was just, it was, he was very pleasant in person, but in between our sessions, he just had a few too many check-ins, uh, a few too many questions that, I don't know, he could have Googled. And this, anyway, he, he sends me this message and I went off, I blocked him and then he dropped over a bunch of homegrown vegetables and an apology note uh, <laughs> I got a restraining order on a guy like two years ago for pretty much almost exactly the same thing. Yeah. And I mean, I unblocked him because the veggies were good. And <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. What? Oh, I, know. I, know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. Uh, yeah, wow. and I felt, he got I you with I the felt, veggies. Yeah, and I felt kind of bad. Wow. He's, you know, he's. I guess his story. He's like this elderly guy, and um, he basically had like prostate cancer, and so he's, you know, he was just trying to like get a few more fucks in before his bit stopped working. And I have a few prostate cancer survivor clients who who yeah managed to yeah things you know I mean yeah, I'm not I saying remember blocking him and feeling so much relief because I he was one of those clients I just feel so mm. anxious and worked up before the booking but then we do the booking and I'd be like oh that was all for nothing but then it would just repeat again every month and so that happened but then I got home one day and there was this beautiful pumpkin there and this like letter and I was like oh maybe it's not so bad I don't know Can I ask what the message was? Yes, you can. Hi, Ruby. Still hoping to catch up with you later this week. We'll let you know date time ASAP when I can. In the meantime, a question. How do you girls protect yourselves slash clients against HIV when you offer services like BBBJ, DFK and 69 services? Well, for starters... Uh, We're not transmitting HIV, HIV by kissing. Well, I... Okay, so... uh, Yeah, I mean, that's basically what I said. I was like... (laughs) First of all, I don't offer BBBJ anymore and I'm pretty sure you can't get HIV from kissing. The rate of transmission from oral sex is incredibly low. Mm. It's my understanding. Um, Can I ask where this Mm -hmm. question is coming from? To which you said, my research on the internet. What? (laughs) (laughs) Why are you messaging me then? Like, I feel like he was researching STIs and he saw what he learned was that HIV is a thing. Yeah. And then he stopped researching at that point it was, and was like, yeah. okay, Ruby will tell me more about it this. It was very much like man discovers HIV, you know, and then like <laughs> yeah. and then messages his mistress. It's like, what? This is – no. Oh, my God. I feel like it's more like, oh, I was thinking about sex and I thought what's a way to get in touch with Ruby and have her interact with me for free. Mm. That's, that's mm-hmm. the line of thinking in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then mm. there's more – I uh, see I don't have the message read anymore because I had to delete the whole conversation because it just pissed me off so much and I kept going back to read it and like going to send a message <laughs> yeah. be like you know what <laughs> <laughs> yep, but I obviously sent I'd obviously sent something that was like you know I get tested regularly blah 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 what about you mm-hmm. and he said hi Ruby I was tested for STDs many years ago after the secretary I was having an affair with told me she had tested positive for something. My results came back all clear. This was in the 70s, this affair, just so you know. Um, Because I've heard about it many times. He hasn't been tested for 40 years? Yeah. Yeah. The audacity. Since our first appointment, you have been my only sexual partner. So if you are tested regularly, you should have no concerns about me. Have you been tested since you returned from Darwin? Fucking hell. I don't reply. I get another one. I'm not an expert on STDs. Clearly. Clearly. Clearly, yeah. (laughs) Um, But my brief search on the internet indicated that HIV can be transmitted by saliva, vaginal fluids and sperm. Uh, A professional lady I saw some time ago indicated that the latter was the greatest risk for you ladies. Who is this lady? I want to have words. 
<laughs> like, mm. what was the latter? I've missed. Uh, semen. Uh, yeah, oh, sperm. Semen. Yeah, yeah, through semen. Yeah. Well, this. Oh my God! If he last got tested in the seventies, that's why he's just discovering HIV. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he missed the oh whole God, epidemic. Oh my God! <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. That is wow. I mean, I know a lot of people don't get tested regularly. But the fact that is just yeah, haunting to know, I know that there was a man who went, I got tested many years ago. Yeah. And it I, was that long ago. I know. And then to like point the finger at you, like, are you I know. Clear? Oh my God. <laughs> when you literally do porn where you have yeah. to like show negative yeah, test results. Exactly. Like, and then to drop me off a pumpkin and for me to accept that pumpkin and be like, you know what? It's okay. <laughs> She had a Cinderella no moment. No pumpkin is good enough, Ruby. No pumpkin is good enough. I realise this now because just last week he messaged again. Oh, oh my no. God, this is great. He always checks my Twitter and, like, I, you know, I, he's allowed. My Twitter's there, but then he doesn't follow me on Twitter, but he always texts me about Twitter mm-hmm. posts. Yep, I got one of those too. It's It feels weird, right? I don't like it because I think if they – if they are engaging on the platform with us, then that's helpful for our promotion. Totally, yeah. But them just looking at it and then texting us is just taking up our time. It's just free conversation. There's no... Yeah, there's no... Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Ruby. Enjoyed the veggies. I did. I forgot to ask, why so many pictures of your tongue on your Twitter? Looks like there are some little lumps on each side. Oh. Uh, What, tongue scalloping? I've got that. Yeah. That's like taste buds. Is that what he means? No, like the shape. Yeah. yeah. I well, I also don't think I I I maybe I, there's two pictures of me with my tongue out. I don't know. <laughs> like I also don't want to have to scroll through my Twitter to check. Like, do I have? Are you looking? Don't get off my Twitter. I I'm, I'm checking. Yes. No, I'm on it. Are you? <laughs> Put your phones down. <laughs> I see. Yeah, okay. There's like one. I feel like there's two tongues, tops. If there's more, I don't want to know. I'll do a cleanse after. They're hot. I've I've counted one so far. I oh, are cute. The banner image. Oh yeah. Well, there's come on it. Like come on, that's a thing. That's like a pony thing. And it's hot. Yeah, tongues are hot. Well, I had to. No, yeah, that's, that's just tongue, Scott. That's the shape of someone's tongue where their teeth rest. That's, yeah. I've got the yeah. same. Oh, tongue. my God. Yeah. That's like, yeah. Not everyone has, but it's a, it's a normal thing. It's just, yeah. it's just a tongue. Yeah. And then I, uh, yeah, I it's just was like, tongue. I post pictures of my tongue for the same reason I post pictures of my tits covered in cum. Like, it's just. Yeah. You know, some people like it. Whatever. It's Ooh. don't know if you've heard, but I'm in the porn industry. <laughs> yeah. Oh anyway, gosh. So yeah, what a uh yeah, okay, so the tongue. Yeah, not impressed, is he? Okay, glad well, that he let I you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, comfort. thank you. Thank you for letting me know. Yeah. Oh my god. But yeah, I've mm. I've yeah. So after I grilled him, what was his response? Um How dare you eat the pumpkin with that tongue? Oh my god! He said, "Oh, he just said, okay, thanks for the education." So he must have known that I pissed him <laughs> off, and then I, and then I blocked him. And I'm yet to receive any apology, pumpkins. So, um, and if, but if he's listening, I don't want them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is that's hysterical, Ruby. Thank you. Yes, yeah. thank you for sharing. I love these. I've been wanting to get it, it off my chest. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for a platform. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Ruby. It's been an absolute blast learning all about you and it, just for you educating us and our listeners. It's been brilliant and destigmatizing sexual health and, and issues concerned with that and teaching us a little bit more about the porn industry. That's something I have no experience with, so I'm super grateful. Mm. Yeah, we, we're really glad you took some time out. We know we've uh, taken a lot of your time with this and uh, we, we appreciate it. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for all the laughs. <laughs> yes, lots of laughs. Uh, yes. Probably a lot of them will get cut out, but the three of us have been having a bloody riot. <laughs> oh, keep the love scene. Laughing's cute. No, thank you for thank you for having me. Um, I've had heaps of fun. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> Likewise. You too. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully in person at some point. Yeah. Post-pandemic. Mm. Bye. See you, Ruby. Bye. Bye. See you. Catch ya. 
We'd like to thank our spectacular, glowing, shiny, amazing patrons again this week. As always, we are so grateful for your support. It really does allow us to grow the show and uh, and hopefully expand in future and make it uh, even more enjoyable. We have a new generous somebody this week, and that is Mark. Our new very generous somebodies are Ollie, Daniel B and Mona Banks. Our even more generous somebodies are Timmy, Andrew, Adam Smith, Leo, Lachlan, Sub London, Miss Billy, Nora Knightley, Leslie, Scott Watson, Andrew, Big M, our secret admirer, Mudgy, Margaret, Wheezy, John T, Celeste, Ellen and Liam. Thank you to our extremely generous somebodies, Aaron, Samuel, Andrew, Pete, Theodore Betts the First Esquire, Amanda Valentina, Sienna Saint, Brino and Adam Moore. Thank you for listening. See you next time. On ya. Please look out for us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and Patreon. Our name everywhere is Somebody You Pod, as in podcast. Our Patreon starts at just $3 a month and you can get all of our episodes ad-free and a day early, plus bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes action, bloopers and more. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the voices of sex workers. And remember, somebody you love might just be a sex worker. 